Support from Market Foolery comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interest in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com/fool. It's Thursday, January 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I am Matt Greer, and I am joined by Ron Gross from Motley Fool One and Jason Moser from Million Dollar Portfolio. Guys, I'm back. How are yes, you doing? Yes, you are. I am doing great. We're happy to that have you. That was such a good intro. You almost, you could George Cassandra just just leave on top. You know, I feel All right, I'm done. Drop the mic. Yep. I feel a bit like Harrison Ford when he was like in the ice, and I've come back, but I'm not quite was as. It ha- ice I'm not quite was as it ice? Was it like bronze like or copper? Or I'm not sure. I never, I never quite understood that part. <laughs> we're gonna get some. We're gonna get some email. Anyway, I'm doing well. We're doing well. Netflix doing even better. So let's start there. Ron, they report better than expected earnings, better than expected growth, and the stock hit a new all-time high. What's the headline? The headline is that I've never owned the stock, nor have I ever <laughs> recommended the stock, so I'm a big <laughs> loser, is the headline. Um, this has always been a really tough one for me, but specific to your question, Mac, um, the headline's got to be international subscriber growth. Really um, knocking it out of the park. Um, the engine for growth, really, now. Uh, five million new international subscribers. Um, their overall forecast, uh, they were believed to come in for, from a total company's pr- perspective, right around that number. International did that alone. The company now has 94 million customers, with 44 million of them outside the U.S. Jason? Yeah, I was telling my daughters last night on the way home from school, it should be pretty easy at this point to succeed in life because like 98% of the population is just sitting around watching Netflix, apparently. Uh, <laughs> phenomenal growth. I mean, the numbers Ron just gave us there are, I think, very indicative of a business that is doing a lot of things right. And I think I, I have never owned the stock as well. I mean, I used to be. Quite skeptical on it a number of years ago, and I think that was because when you look at it from a numbers perspective, it you do have to you have to take a little bit of a leap there. Um, And you still do, by the way. You do, yeah. And I think we'll we'll get to that. It's sort of the narrative versus the fundamentals, right? And in this case, the narrative is still really leading the way. And I I think what many dismiss with Netflix even today is how big of a deal it was that they established that brand. In the internet TV space, so early, you know, I don't think it took a genius to see that TV was going towards the internet. The internet has been in the middle of disrupting everything we do. It did take a genius to actually build a business, build an offering like net like Netflix, and then scale it out to the entire world. I mean, that's where leadership has just been so ahead of the curve, and I think that the market continues to reward. Shareholders appropriately, yeah, but there are still sure. still fair share of risk. You have to acknowledge. I think there are a lot of Amazonian parallels here, right? Sure, there's a lot of yeah. spending up front, good comparable, and and profits are are not the focus here. Um, driving content and driving members and therefore revenue is the focus. In the hopes that once they reach a certain level, a certain scale, the profits will follow. Um, it's impossible to value the stock now, except on leaps of faith. And the reason I've never um, owned this stock is because I had no comfort level that Netflix would actually be the winner in this space. I'm, it still remains to be seen, although they've done quite a nice job. 
And then what will profits, what will cash flows look like? If they're able to someday do a 10% margin, which who knows if they can, that would be a billion dollars in profits, $60 billion market cap right now, that's 60 times earnings. That doesn't even impress me that much, unless the growth can you know, be sustained going forward year after year for quite some time. And I want to talk about um, one person who's not a fan of Netflix, is because we're talking about the bullish case here. But um, Ron David Einhorn, hedge fund manager, is actually shorting the stock. Um, it's got to hurt a little more today than it did yesterday, and he gives a couple of reasons, among other things, for his short. And one of them involves that original content that we were talking about. He says that Netflix hasn't demonstrated that its huge investment in original content has a positive return. Well, but I think by positive return, he he's speaking quite literally and meaning profits. Um, one could argue that. It has a tremendous return in the sense that more members are signing up each quarter and the revenues are, are growing nicely. Netflix would say the profits will come later. Einhorn is more skeptical. And he also points to Netflix. He says that Netflix is poorly positioned to take advantage of tax cuts on corporate profits that a lot of people think are going to come under President Trump. Not a fan of this argument at all from a shorting perspective. Um, while he may be correct, um, and that other companies may benefit more from tax cuts, for example, um, it doesn't mean Netflix stock will go down. It just means that it may not benefit as much as, as a company with large amounts of profits that could use a, some additional tax write-offs. So, to, to make a short bet against Netflix for that reason, I think, can be very dangerous. I think whenever you make a short bet against a company that is benefiting and, and is demonstrably benefited from a, a a narrative over over as long a time as Netflix has. I mean, that to me is sort of a a little f foolish bet. I mean, I I think there are far easier companies out there to short than something like a Netflix. I mean, to sit there and say you're going to short it based on valuation. I mean, it's really difficult to value the stock in the first place because it's sort of being valued on the promise of potential future profits versus what's happening today. Shorting solely on valuation is often a a you know recipe for for things not going your way. It's much easier to identify a company or not easier but safer to identify a company that is committing fraud or something really bad is going on that you think eventually will be uh, uncovered and the stock will plummet or the company would theoretically go out of business. But just to do it on valuation reminds me of the old caveat that the market can re- remain irrational much longer than you can remain solvent, and you must be careful. And I mean, to that point, I mean, we we've talked about the risks that come with something like Netflix, and I think it's important to acknowledge those at least. I mean, there's some clues in the the shareholder letter, even from this quarter, that that at least give you an idea of how this business is going to have to work for the foreseeable future. I mean, they stated quite clearly that they are funding their working capital needs through the debt market. In other words, they're Growing this business essentially by taking out more debt. Now that's not really a secret. We know that in order for Netflix to succeed, they have to keep bringing more new and compelling content to the table, and that costs a lot of money to do. Particularly as this market becomes far more competitive now than it was, say, even five years ago. Uh, so what that means is Netflix, for the foreseeable future, is going to be taking out a lot of debt. They're going to be spending a lot of money. I think they're spending something like six billion on content this year versus five billion last year. I mean, you'll see the debt to equity ratios well, well higher, well above you know 100 percent, which is is something that investors need to at least pay attention to because that's that's giving us an idea of how much debt this company's taking out versus how much equity shareholders actually have in the business in the first place. And so, I mean, these are all certainly more short term in nature. Uh, I think the thing that that Einhorn said that really to me just seems detached from reality is is the 
the original content not proving a return. I yeah. guess in a literal sense, he's talking yeah. about profitability, but I mean, the strategy at this point is to sign up subscribers to keep growing that top line. I mean, it's bringing a, a reward from that perspective, and I think that investors. It's it's all about your perspective. I mean, if you're looking five, ten years down the road, it's a lot easier to justify what they're doing today versus perhaps if you're looking two or three quarters down the road. And Netflix continuing to make huge investments. Just this week, they announced that they had acquired Jerry Seinfeld's comedians and cars getting coffee um, for a reported hundred million dollars. Jason, so I mean, I've been watching that show on you know online, and now it's a hundred million dollar date for that Netflix. That sounds like. A pretty high price tag, honestly. And I'm, I'm, I am as big a Seinfeld fan as any, and I like that show. Um, I don't find it to be nearly really as compelling as like the original Seinfeld, but Seinfeld's name carries a lot of sway in the entertainment yeah. industry. So I mean, it, it's it's a win to have him involved with your uh, offering. I think probably in any capacity, but that's that's I think again just indicative of how much money these guys are willing to pay. Sure, and that deal does include two stand-up specials plus some additional content from Seinfeld as well. So I think that's interesting. But you have similar deals, uh, perhaps not as lucrative, but uh, similar deals for Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle. Um, Netflix clearly going after the comedy kind of stand-up comedy market, whereas HBO for the most part has been controlling that. So that'll be interesting to see if if Netflix ends up being the the stronger stronger uh, offering there. Well, Ron, I'm going to make you feel better. Um, the Motley Fool first interviewed Reed Hastings back in 2003. Okay. Um, the market cap was a little below 600 million. Um, Stock Advisor recommended Netflix later that year, 2003. Today, the market cap closer to 60 billion. Yeah. So, did I buy it in 2003? <laughs> yes or no? Ron Gross. I'm going with no. 2004. <laughs> I'll say no. No, I bought it last year. So, uh, <laughs> I was very late to the party as well. And I do want to say I love the the offering. Uh, we're subscribers and and I'm happy to fork over my money every month. I've just never been um, a stockholder. So, in terms of the competitive landscape, um, depending on how you define that, you could look at HBO, you could look at Amazon, you could look at Google, you could look at Apple. Who do y'all think is the is the primary competitor for Netflix in terms of competition? Who keeps Reed Hastings up at night? I don't know if he's up at night, but I think Amazon's <laughs> a strong competitor. But but Apple's gearing up, and we don't know what that's going to look like just yet. But they've got the pocketbook, the wallet, to really make a move if they want to. So let's let's keep an eye. Yeah, I, I'm a big HBO fan. I think they always have a great content offering. I think that uh, you know we heard. Reed Hastings say he thinks that HBO is going to become more like Netflix and probably offering either binge-worthy style offerings or even offering uh, shows early online. And they're actually already doing that. I think they did that with the first episode of Westworld this year. You could see that online before it debuted that that following Sunday. So I think that you're seeing Netflix become a lot more H- a lot more like HBO, and and, and HBO is becoming a lot more like Netflix. I think that Amazon. Has clearly gone all in here, and and they're bringing a lot of compelling content to the offer. I mean, we've talked. I just was telling you about Sneaky Pete yeah. before taping here, and I mean that's just a a really great show that Amazon uh, just released. I, I personally, I I look at Apple, and I I I just I don't even know what I'm trying to like be diplomatic and not completely just lambaste them here. Don't be diplomatic. I mean, I think that it's one thing to say that like we've got this big pocketbook and we can kind of do anything. It's it's entirely another thing to actually go do it. I mean, we see examples of companies all the time that have these, these tremendous financial resources, and therefore you think they can do anything. That's not the case. It requires far more than just money. I mean, 
a lot of companies out there have the financial resources to go do this. It's yeah. another thing to go do it. And I, I personally would be extremely skeptical on Apple really slaying any kind of, of original content offering here. Furthermore, gaining much in the way of mindshare, because there is already so much content out there. There's more content than time for us to watch it. For Apple to just go out there and, and offer another Offering, so to speak, I think is just number one. I don't think it moves the needle for them, and I, I just don't. I don't think they're going to pull it off. And I think Facebook too. I know Facebook is trying to get into it. It seems like Facebook just sort of stopped maybe investing so heavily in the live video and are trying to focus maybe a bit more on evergreen content. I think they're going to have a hard go of it too. Two examples of companies with big time financial resources, but the odds are stacked against them because you've got businesses like HBO, Netflix, and Amazon that have already. Just invested so much and gained so much mind share and have such compelling libraries of content already. I just it's it's a hard it's a hard one to fathom. And as we wrap this story up, how about one thing that investors should be watching going forward with Netflix? It's it's all about subscriber growth and content costs for me. Those are the two metrics that will eventually drive where the cash flow goes and therefore where the stock goes. Yeah, I think it's it's Next quarter is going to be very interesting in regard to subscriber growth because it sounded at least like they even thought they pulled forward some subscriber growth this quarter from the future quarters because of the content that they had that just went live. So it's it's conceivable that subscriber growth may not impress as much in the coming quarter. Now, with that said, I mean I don't think that's the correct way to look at the business. I think Ron's right. You just pay attention to subscribers and how much it's costing to to grow that content offering because at some point. If the cost to grow the content offering is outpacing the growth in subscribers, then you're going to have a bit of a conflict there that will probably play out in the share price. But you wouldn't short the stock. Not in a million years. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay, before we go to our next story, I want to say a word about Rocket Mortgage when it comes to the big decisions of choosing a mortgage lender. And guys, it is a big decision. It is. We've all made the decision. Um, More than you, once. You want to work with someone you can trust and has your best interests in mind. With Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through a bunch of paperwork. Jason, I know in a previous life, you worked in a financial services type industry. It's it not did. always a transparent process. Is it that is fair not. to say? I was actually a, a lender, and so I closed many home loans, and it is as uh, nebulous a process as ever. Well, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process. You also can adjust the length and rate of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Well, I like the sound of that. That's, that's great. So, whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage with a lot less paperwork, Rocket Mortgage, Rocket mortgage can lift the burden of getting a home loan. So, skip the banks, skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com fool. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSConsumerAccess.org, number 3030. Okay, guys, as we wrap up here, I want to talk Twitter. We're going to talk Trump in a minute. <laughs> but first, we're going to lead with the, the news story. And there was a news story involving Twitter this week, Jason. Twitter selling a small part of its business to Google. Break that down for us. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is a good move. It could be argued. Quite effectively, or to, to Alphabet. I'm sorry, <laughs> either six and six and one and a half dozen the other. Right? Uh, it could be argued, I think, very effectively that Twitter, since going public, has had zero vision and, and really lacked uh, 
focus in in making sure they're just doing what they do really well. And I mean, at its core, Twitter is just the operating system of live. Whatever's going on, Twitter is a very good communication platform uh, for that. And so, to me, this is just another uh, step in the direction of right-sizing the business. Uh, Fabric is the app development side of the business, and it was built up from uh, a few pieces here and there that the business acquired. Crashlytics, I think, was one of them that was they purchased for $100 million back in 2013. Uh, I mean, this is not something that Twitter does well. I don't think this is not this is not what they exist for. So I think they're, you know, giving it to Google. Hey, Google's great at wasting money. I mean, I'm sure this is probably <laughs> going to ultimately be just kind of like a waste of money. They're going to write probably a lot of this down. I think it just gets a lot of unnecessary uh and very valuable time and resources. It get it gets that out of out of Twitter's uh you know, house and 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 lets them focus on really just trying to at least do what they do. Well, and I mean that's been the problem with Twitter to this to this point. It's been a very bloated business that never really fully identified the one thing it needed to to to, to do well. And so this this is I think is just a, another step in that direction. So Twitter sells off this very small part of its business, this mobile development platform fabric. Um, are we past the point of Twitter being acquired? Has that ship sailed, or should Twitter investors out there or people even considering Twitter look at it as a potential takeover candidate? I don't think the ship will ever completely um, be too far on the horizon for that to be discussed. Um, obviously, last year it, it came to the forefront again as as a few companies were really looking at it closely, or at least that's what was reported. And the fact that they all passed certainly leads one to believe that well, now this is this is more difficult. But I think it's you know it still remains an extremely interesting platform that is used by millions and millions of people. In fact, I mean the young kids nowadays. I mean I'm an old man, but the young kids nowadays. I mean that's that's where they get their news a lot of time. That's that's where that's their go to. I think there's true value in the platform. Um, but as Jason said, they they haven't really been able to focus in the right directions. And one of those users of Twitter, Ron, is President-elect Trump. So the exit question here, and a question I've been wrestling with, because obviously he has used Twitter. Um, I think you can argue whether it's been effective or not, but I think he's he's been effective in cutting out the press. Um, but what is President Trump um, using Twitter? What does that mean for the business of Twitter? Is that good, bad, or hard to tell? I th- I think it's good under the category of any publicity is good publicity. Um, my hope and desire would be when he actually becomes POTUS that he becomes the voice of at POTUS on Twitter, and we see a little bit more presidential um, content coming from him. I I do continue to believe, as I said, it's a great platform for him to speak right to the American people, right to the world for that matter. Um, and I have no problem with that. Um, just a little bit more presidential would be wonderful. Jason, yeah, I think I mean I think it's a net plus. For the company, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, to me, I, I think that Donald Trump is basically Twitter's Howard Stern, and, and what I mean by that is, people are just tuning in to see what he says next. Love him or hate him, they're just like trying to, what in the world is he going to say next? And and you think about when Stern made that move to Sirius uh, XM satellite radio. I guess at the time it was just Sirius, but that was a I don't know five hundred thousand some odd subscriber base, and they just recently hit the thirty million subscriber base mark. Now he was he was 
I think he's responsible for most of that. I mean, oh, he clearly hit him with the hind yeah, on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> precisely. <laughs> um, I mean, I think Sirius XM is a great offering, and I love it, and I'm stuck with it now. Like, I could never not have it. Um, but I think that this is an opportunity, love him or hate him, I think that Twitter management would be very wise to figure out a way to embrace this. Because to your point about the press, I mean, Twitter has more or less disintermediated the press. And, yeah. and I think that. The press and journalists in general have taken such a shellacking over this over this election season. I, and there are a lot of people out there that straight up just don't trust what the press has to say anymore. And, yeah. and instead of going to the press, you can go to Twitter and get it directly from the source. And that's certainly how Trump views Twitter. Um, it's it's that communication platform for him. So I think it's a net win for Twitter. I think they need to figure out a way to embrace it and ultimately take advantage of it because it, in theory. Should result in more users, but it should also result in more of that Twitter content, the stuff that actually is occurring on the platform, to be disseminated in other ways. You'll see that content on websites everywhere, like we see now and on, on TV and whatnot. Um, but that doesn't mean it's a slam dunk. You still have to have management willing to uh, embrace and, and exploit that opportunity. Well, we will keep an eye on it, guys. We'll wrap up there. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, Mac. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Do your own homework. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you on Monday.